Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the Pixelist Podcast. As always, I'm Will, and with me here is my beautiful, beautiful, handsome co-host, Blake. How are you doing, man? I'm doing good. I feel like I always get these great compliments every time. <laughs> I'm like, if I'm ever feeling low, we just need to record an ep, and I'll get a couple of nice comments from you. And uh, yeah, just echoing what you said, welcome to the Pixelist Podcast, my friend. We've had a little vacation, and yeah. it feels like we're getting back into the rhythm, so it's good to see my good co-host again. Dude, it's good to see you too, and I I won't go too far off base here, but I just gotta say, I am fresh off of watching the finale of Loki, and I can't wait to talk to you about it. I know you haven't watched it yet. Oh, yeah, we were going to watch it earlier today, and so, you know, we have a kid, and so we were like, let's just watch it with her, and I was like, she's been really fussy lately because we've been traveling a lot, and so I was like, maybe this isn't a good idea, and so we keep putting it off, but in here, in about T-minus two and a half hours, we're clicking play, we're going to watch it, and for everybody who's tuning in, you got to check out, I'm pretty sure we're going to record this pretty soon, yeah. uh, check out our final, oof, our final episode discussion of Loki, uh, and I guess we'll, hopefully we can do a post-season uh, episode as well, but... I'm excited, but I'm also sad because it's just been so good. And I'll say this one detail, Will. My wife, who's not a big television junkie, today she was like, hey, do you think when we've watched this episode, in the near future, we could do an entire rewatch of the whole show? Which I was like, okay, nice. you really li- you really liked it then. You got her. Uh, I got her, man, yeah. <laughs> Which, funny enough, before we watched it, she was like, ah, I don't think I'm going to watch that. It doesn't look like it's for me. And I was <laughs> like, eh, just watch episode one. So anyway. Nice. Has she yeah, seen? Yeah. And I, okay, I don't want to. I'll, I'll hold that for our Loki episode. I was about to sure, go way sure. off track, uh, but yeah. Anyway, today we're actually talking about Exandria Unlimited, episode three, um, Critical Roles. You know, newest mini campaign. If if you're made it this far, you already know what we're talking about. But yeah, um, episode three. And I can't remember. This is terrible of me, but I actually don't remember what the episode title was. Do you, by any chance? The, the Glorious Return. The Glorious Return, a, there we go. A, a Glorious Return, excuse me. Perfect, which is a reference to Gilmore's Glorious Goods, which is, you know, where the majority of the episode took place. <laughs> I'm an idiot, because I was like, oh, the party's having a glorious return, because their return is very glorious, which we'll talk about. And so I was like, oh, yeah, I didn't see season one, or season one, campaign one or two, and so uh, I guess I was the ignorant one in, like, the title, but, well, hey, but yeah. I, it actually works on multiple levels, so I think that was probably intended, so. Let, let us know in the comments which one we you think it actually was, so me and Will can know who was right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, great episode. I really enjoyed it. Um, mm-hmm. As always, I feel like we have a lot to talk about. Uh, Will, I, I know you feel pretty similar. I like a good RP sesh, mm. you know, where people are playing off each other. There's a lot of dialogue, um, some subtle character development. And I've always been a big fan because, you know, when in these homebrew games that you play with your friends, a lot of times we see cantrips as like um, filler. So, like, in the sense of like combat, it's like, okay, I'll cast this cantrip. I think it is a sign of a great player when they find ways to use their cantrips to add to the RP flair, which yes. I'm sure we'll talk about in the episode today. Uh, but that's one detail I wanted to mention on the front end in saying that I just really liked this episode. Yeah, me too. My, my sentiments exactly. Um, not that I, I don't love like a good intense combat, you know, but RP sessions are honestly my favorite. I know some people like dread shopping episodes. 
I love them because I feel like you get those like nuanced character moments and you know the cool opportunities for showcasing spells like you mentioned. Um, so yeah, this is this. I guess this is probably my favorite episode so far, actually. Same. For you. Uh, I would. Yeah, actually, I would say this one or the first episode. I like just new beginnings. Mm-hmm. I I probably put this one as an edge over the first one, and I would probably agree. Yeah, it's probably my favorite, and it's just fun to see everyone kind of start to find their footing yes. in terms of who their character is. And uh, I thought Abria did a great job, um, especially so much pressure on her to fill Bro. Matt Mercer's shoes for Gilmore. She did great. Yeah, um, I had very little criticism. I know we had a little bit of a bit last episode where i was like i got some criticisms <laughs> i didn't really have any today um then again i haven't checked reddit so maybe that's where you know you find people who really set you off yeah but um as a whole enjoyed the episode had a great experience and i th- felt like it was a very strong episode nice man i'm glad to hear that because i was wondering how much of it for me was like kind of nostalgia of like getting to see gilmore since i'm like familiar with him from campaign one you know so i'm glad to hear mm-hmm. that as somebody who's kind of doesn't have all that baggage baggage is kind mm. of a, a negative word but i'm glad yeah. that you enjoyed it as well part of it was i think what was fun is and i actually from what i did watch of, of campaign one i actually did see gilmore oh, okay um i think around like maybe episode 15 or something like that and um besides that point though watching um ashley johnson's reaction to just her excitement of seeing gilmore again uh, as a viewer i mean that's something to live vicariously through that's really exciting and you i think when you're seeing the players having a genuinely fun special time as a viewer you're like this is cool like this is fun to be part of and so even though i didn't fully grasp everything in terms of his history um it was still really cool seeing the emotions on the players faces right 100 percent agreed um well yeah shoot i guess let's just strap in and get to it uh and um if you've been watching us so far you know that uh we like to do a little recap and in in the case of critical role we tried to do a pretty in-depth one because it's such long content you know keep keep you caught up and um, we actually have been kind of cutting out the recap from this discussion and uploading that separately as well so if you're if you happen to be watching just this recap right now, hello from the past. And uh, if you enjoyed the recap, great, thank you. But if you uh, are interested in hearing our larger discussion on the episode, that will be linked in the little description box below. So uh, solid, yeah. With without further ado, I guess let's just jump into it and uh, let's do it. All right, I'll, I'll start us off here. Um, so the episode basically started. We had everyone still at the fire Ashari, and um, Lokarthar has just asked them, you know, to go back to Amon, talk to Gilmore, see if they can figure out what's going on with this rune. Um, but alas, you know, they, everyone still basically has the targets on their backs from Posca and the Nameless Ones. So like, uh, how are we going to get back to Amon and and do this? So you know, they spend some time basically strategizing on what they're going to do. Um, come up with some different plans uh there's some poor roles on the on the side of dariax to try to you know give them a a streets level knowledge idea but they ultimately decide okay you know what um let's just kind of do our hair in a little bit a different way try to disguise ourselves a little bit and we'll have dariax perform a distraction at the gates and the rest of us will sneak in while he's doing that dariax is all for that he's game 
And uh, the only other little tidbit I wanted to mention in this in this section was, um, like I said, the the characters with long hair, which is basically Opal, Dorian, and Fern, <laughs> all do their hair up in a different way. And then Orem, who's got like a buzz cut, real short hair, mm -hmm. you know, can't really change his. So Fern cuts off her hair, <laughs> and Opal uses her hair glue to try to give him <laughs> an updo. Uh, but yeah. the the aspect I really loved from this is Orem mentions that he uses his the one spell that he knows. Uh, oh gosh, what is it called? Dru Druid, Druid shape. shape. Thank you, Druid shape to uh, kind of make it look nicer, and that's that's innocuous innocuous enough. But it's kind of an Easter egg for something from Campaign One that I don't want to like get into spoiler territory on. But for those of you that know, uh, I loved that little shout out, little flavor moment, and. Um, Perhaps we'll talk about it later in the episode if we want to, but I won't dive into the weeds on it here. Um, yeah, there there is one tiny detail, and it was the conversation between uh, Robbie and Abria, where he was clarifying, you know, just to make sure we didn't do anything here, right? We didn't actually resolve anything. <laughs> yeah. Abria's like, yeah, that's about right, <laughs> and he's like, like nothing. We didn't, you know, solve anything, and then Matt Mercer goes, yeah, hero stuff, <laughs> which I thought was a great like final line before they moved on to the next section that is um, great yeah yeah which i'll jump into and describe the next part if that's yeah. okay well so uh like will mentioned they decided they're going to go back to iman to visit gilmore and as they arrive at this it's a different gate that they're arriving to compared to the one that they left in and Dariax decides to he asks fern for uh, any ribbons that she may have that can help facilitate his plan and uh abria has ashley johnson's uh, role has a great role and has this great line of how fern is just somehow pulling out all of these ribbons <laughs> like it never seems to end yeah. um, so there's plenty of ribbons and Dariax takes these ribbons and he transforms himself into this beautiful clad exuberantly clad half elf woman uh, and he reveals this is an ex of his, and he is now going by the name Tharla Star, who's this performer and has is uh, he's just great. It's just so funny. Um, he's communicating with the locals, kind of performing with his glitz and glam. Uh, Opal actually mentions like I think I've met this person once in Byroden, which is where she's from. Yeah. Uh, so Derek waltzes in, he starts to twirl these streamers that he's created and makes this huge show so the rest of the party can sneak in. The negative, though, is that this distraction, although it's a success, Dorian and Fern, they fail miserably on their stealth checks. In fact, Fern has a disadvantage on stealth checks. And so because they fail to sneak in, they decide to join in on the distraction. <laughs> So Dorian gives Fern his flute while he pulls out his lute and they join in and begin to play as sort of like the ensemble band to Dariax's uh, performance. It's an amazing scene. It was. Uh, Dorian casts Thunderclap at the end of the performance to create like this big booming effect uh, to finish it off. Um, and then the three decide to try to slip back into the crowd to meet up with Opal and Orem. Uh, however, someone grabs Dariax's arm as they try to leave, and it's this tall, black-skinned tiefling named Edward, who wants to know if Dariax, or excuse me, Tharla, uh, wants to come work as a performer. I don't remember the name of the club, but it's in the Erudite Quarter of Iman. Uh, Fern steps in and is not clear, clarifies that she's not his agent, but is like, well, how much <laughs> are you going to pay for this? What's this going to look like? I don't want my yeah. friend to be taken advantage of. And they say it starts at five gold a performance. 
but they're willing to negotiate. Uh, whereas Dariax basically says, Hey, can you stop touching me so much? Like you're very handsy. Like if you could just relax on grabbing me so much, but other than that, he really has no concept of like how the negotiation is going. Uh, anyway, uh, beyond this, uh, before the party has, uh, this, this performance has ended, uh, Opal and Orem, they actually decide they want to help with the distraction. And oh, so yeah. Opal, and I actually skipped this, um, Opal decides to, um, pretend that she's lost her daughter. And so she's like, help, help my daughter's missing. And so the crowds, people start like yelling this and then it's like, Oh crap. Oh crap. Like this is creating like a very big effect. And so immediately she turns and says, Nancy and Orem says like in this totally expressionless, like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Cause he's a halfling and has, you know, his little druid shape hair. And he says, mother, yes, here I am. <laughs> you found me. Um, and so he pretends to be the uh, missing girl. Um, and Opal rolls deception at a disadvantage to try to play this off and gets double natural 20s. Uh, and everyone falls for it. So uh, the funny thing about this scene, they were trying to be as subtle as possible getting into town. And it created this massive, bombastic set of distractions I that... Know. They even say like, hey, this was like the opposite of what we wanted to happen. <laughs> and so as they're talking about this, they're trying to slip away and they're talking about, hey, that was actually, that was really obviously done rather than being very subtle. And right that moment, coincidentally, Fern gets hit with a poison dart and begins to feel funny. And they actually do see a clouded, uh, excuse me, a, a cloaked figure in the distance who they can tell is looking at someone else and they realize that they are being um, followed. So they duck off into an alleyway to try to get away. Um, they hear footsteps behind them. Dariax uh, basically disguises himself again as an old homeless beggar dwarf. And uh, the people who are pursuing them ask what he's seen. And he says, oh, yeah, I saw the party. They bumped right into me. They're so you know, obnoxious. And he basically points them in a totally different direction, says they're going over the roof uh, on the other side of a different building. And so they decide to wrap around to try to cut them off, which is not even the direction they're going. So basically, they lose their, their um, people following them. And uh, basically, once they are sure they're not being followed, then they finally head to uh, Gilmore's. Yes. And my... Esteemed co-host, why don't you take it from there? All right, yeah, and bro, Matt Mercer was just the MVP of that whole section. It was amazing. He had a lot of fun, for sure. All right, but so yeah, so they, they narrowly avoid, you know, getting captured, getting caught, or whatever. And uh, once the coast is clear, they make their way inside to Gilmore's. And uh, I think for all of them, this is the first time they've ever been inside of it. And it is a glorious, you know, pun, pun intended, I guess, uh, amazing mystical shop three stories high has lots of um amazing magical items clothes just lots of curiosities and opal just can't even contain herself she immediately loses all track of what they're even there for and she just starts diving into the clothes being like oh my gosh you have this in pink like i need mm -hmm. to get this and um a young gnomish clerk of the store um i don't know if i'm pronouncing this right but inana um or inana <clears throat> walks up to her and is like, hey, how can I help you? And uh, Opal's like, can you find me this in pink? And then uh, Dariax, you know, kind of reminds her why they're there. And it's like, hey, um, you know, actually, we're here to speak to uh, Sean right. Gilmore. And uh, Anana lets them know that, uh, you know, he is a very busy man, very famous man. He's actually, he's not here right now. Um, and they're like, oh, okay. Uh, 
And Daredex then makes a high persuasion role and is like, you know, this is important. And she's like, okay, well, I'll go get the manager and we'll see what, you know, she can do for you. So uh, the party is then brought to Sherry, who is a half half elven woman um, who also tells them that, hey, you know, Gilmore's not available. She kind of pegs them as, you know, kind of like touristy, would-be adventurers Mm -hmm. that are just looking to, you know, meet somebody famous, as it were. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then they kind of tell her what's going on, you know, let her know that they're coming um, from the fire Ashari. There's this weird rune that popped up and, uh, you know, Lorcathar asked Gilmore's help uh, on this matter. And so at that point, Sherry realizes, okay, this is more than just, you know, some nobodies. And she grabs a book of runic symbols and starts flipping through it, you know, asking, hey, all right, tell me about this rune. Um, and I think they still have a photo or not a photo, but a drawing, drawing. that yeah. uh, they show her. And so she takes that, <laughs> looks through the book for a while and it's not able to find anything. And she realizes that she's kind of out of her depth here. And she lets them know, like, OK, you know what? If you're wasting his time, you're going to have to deal with me. And I'm he's much nicer than me. So like, just kind of warns them. And then she's like, all right, follow me. And they go to the back. And she does this really cool little flavor moment um, where she writes on a parchment and then like puts it into a candle and it immolates uh, with the implication being that she was sending a message to Gilmore. Um, A few minutes or a few seconds later, they kind of feel this like mystical pulse of energy from upstairs. And um, shortly thereafter, Gilmore appears and kind of leans over the railing and is, you know, his charismatic self and mm-hmm. like oh you know what do we have going on here and you you rang mm-hmm. and uh she says sherry says you know they can take it from there and the party makes their way up and officially meets gilmore which uh again just such an amazing moment i'll i'll, I'll hold all my thoughts on it for now though so the well, just like me the party is basically starstroke starstruck overseeing him in the flesh and uh most of all of them are at least familiar with him have at least heard of the name with some of them being uh like orm for example uh intimately familiar with him and the legends of his time in this in this past era of taldore um knowing that he you know was was a friend of vox machina and uh even went with them on some of their adventures and uh, Orm actually even reveals here, and this was a big thing, especially for people that have followed Campaign 1 and 2, that uh, Gilmore is actually a secret member of the Tal'Dorei Council, <laughs> which that was a pretty cool thing. And I know Ashley was freaking out when they said that. Uh, but so anyway, the party quickly make their introductions, and they kind of catch Gilmore up on everything that's going on with them. Posca, the Nameless Ones, the Circlet, uh, the Rune in the Ash Hole, and even mention their like kind of missing memories from this past week with the crater and everything uh also in this time we learned that gilmore is married to a man named darius and anyway so after getting after they get caught up and introduced and everything uh gilmore casts lesser restoration on fern um to remove her poison effect uh and Dariax then takes out the circlet to show him and kind of get his uh, opinion on it. And so uh, Gilmore, being the wise man that he is, uses Mage Hand to grab it from him and doesn't actually touch it himself. 
because they let him know that, hey, you know, yeah, Dariax touched it and his eyes are black. And I loved this because <laughs> Dariax finally finds out, like somebody finally right. tells him that his eyes are black. And he's like, what? My eyes are black? Yeah. He's like, he's like, yeah, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. And I love Matt's yeah. like dedication to like not metagaming that he knew. Uh, right. But so Dariax finding this out, you know, takes a look in the mirror and he can see his, he sees his eyes are jet black. But then he also sees in the reflection of all of his friends and himself, like spiders skittering across everyone's face, like out of their mm -hmm. ear and into their mouth or like into Gilmore's beard. And this is quite unsettling to Dariax. He's like, you got an infestation or something going on here. And they quickly put it together that, um, you know, he's seeing things and it's because of this, this circlet that he touched. And um, Gilmore then kind of, uh, I don't know if he cast Identify or not, now that I'm thinking about it, but he knows what it is. Uh -huh. uh, for, or Opal even tells him about the vision she had about it with the, the spider queen leg and everything. And he's like, yes, uh -huh. this, this is indeed a vestige of divergence of the spider queen. And the spider queen is evil but he says the vestige is just power it's not necessarily evil just you know it depends on how you use it and um <laughs> he asks uh and we're asked so did you put this on and dariax is like no should i and <laughs> i love that moment and i they even talked about maybe putting it on in gilmore's presence to just like see what would happen and that they didn't do it but i really wish they Fern, yeah fern says i, I think you should <laughs> like just to see what happens and i'm like oh my gosh like this is gonna happen anyway sorry <laughs> no, no i wish it had, i'm still fingers crossed that somebody does put it on <laughs> yeah oh um, but anyway he he lets them know what it is that it is a vestige and that actually he knew that this was making its way here via the blight star to be delivered to an archmage friend of his uh for study so um He's very appreciative that uh, our party trusted him with this information, and he lets them know that he is willing and capable to take it off their hands and make sure it remains safe and you know gets to where it needs to be, and that he will give them 5,000 gold store credit for their trouble. Um, the party's not sure what they want to do, though, uh, with specifically, I believe, Do uh, Dorian and Fern wanting to keep it uh, mm -hmm. because, you know, they, they found it. They feel like this is important and powerful, like... They think they should have it. Um, however, they do recognize the danger of holding on to it. It has painted a very large target on their backs. Um, and Gilmore recognizes this as well, but he understands. And he, he even makes a comment of recognizing a um, pattern beginning again. And he says that, you know, vestiges kind of go where they're meant to be. And uh I love that because I, I took it as a recognition of like, oh, these are adventurers and, you know, I personally know adventurers that have vestiges and they kind of, you know, fate will will them where they will be. Um, so he he does tell them, though, like, here, be right back. And he grabs this magical box and he says, hey, if you change your mind, you want me to have this, just simply put the circlet in the box, close it, and it will be teleported to me. Um, and he lets them know that this is a, a one-way teleportation box and it also can only be used one time so it's like a last ditch option for them if they decide they need to get their hands off of it um so the party's excited about that and uh the one last thing on the circlet is <laughs> Kilmore can can fix Dariax's eyes but before he does it he's like are you just going to touch it again 
<laughs> and Derek is like, uh, no. And yeah, the worst lie. Uh, no. Yeah. And he's like, okay, whatever. And Gilmore uh, yeah. fixes his eyes uh, as well. So after they've gotten all that circlet nonsense settled, they begin to talk about the 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 ash hole and the rune that it was the main reason um, they have brought them there. So they give Gilmore the runic drawing that they had also just given Cherry, and he places it up to his forehead where he has, Gilmore has, a like runic symbol in the middle of his forehead, and then also one appears on his um, mm-hmm. back of his hand, and right. uh, they can tell that he is casting a very high-level spell. Um, and after he does this, he lets them know that this this magic is very old magic, ancient mag- magic that he is unfortunately unfamiliar with. Um, However, he does have books that speak of such things, and they reference an area south of Byroden um, called the Ruins of Konira. I do not. I should have looked up what they said in the the episode before we did as, this. As Dariak says, the Ruins of Kinsinira. Which and Abria's like. Yes, <laughs> I love that. It's such a meta moment because they in in campaign one and two they do that to Matt all the time, just like troll his names that he comes up with. So it was just so sweet okay. to see get to nice. see him do that. <laughs> so he tells them about the ruins of Kinara, Kinsinera, and that there is this old culture that existed there even before the calamity. So we're talking like ancient, ancient, ancient. And he wants to send them there because maybe they can find some information about this, shed some light on this. And um, Opal actually makes a history check on, I'm just going to call it the Quinceanera to save face here, the Quinceanera. (laughs) And uh, she too remembers that, oh yeah, this is old, old. And that her dad once tried to go there and he came back naked and afraid. (laughs) And everyone was like, what? And she just, she's like, I don't know. That's just what happened. Yeah. Friends so, like, like, why was he so scared, and why did they take his clothes? <laughs> or like, what happened to his clothes? <laughs> I, who knows? We cer- certainly didn't get an answer. And uh, <laughs> so Gilmore says, "Okay, so yeah, do this, and don't worry, I'll pay you for this because you know it is a service to all of Taldore to figure out what's going on here." And he's like, "I personally know that you know fledgling adventurers need support in the early years, so I'm happy to do this for you." And uh, Opal at that point tries to convince him to come with them. Like, hey, oh you my gosh, you know, yeah. she's been flirting with him the whole time. And uh, but she fails the persuasion check. And he's like, you know, that type of adventuring is for you young folk. I'm, you know, I'm in a different stage of life. And then funnily, we find out that uh, Fern is 112 years old. So mm-hmm. I actually don't know if that's old for like a, a, a fauna or whatever she is. But everyone's like, what? And uh, anyway, so he's like, you know, I'm not going to come with you, but, you know, do this for me. Hey, you yada, yada, yada. And uh, Dorian's like, hey, can you help us get out of town, though? Because we still got all of this heat on our backs and, you know, don't really know how we're going to get to this place. And he's like, yeah, we'll get you a cart. Um, Boom, boom, bada, boom. But he's like, but hey, first, you know, you're in my shop. Are you going to spend some freaking money? And they're like, yes, we shall do it. And uh, but Dariak says, hey, you know, but can we get the friends discount? And uh, he actually rolls a 22 on his persuasion. So Gilmore's reluctantly like, okay, yeah, I can't resist a pretty face. You guys can have the friend's discount. Mm-hmm. And uh, that basically ends the uh, the big discussion they have with Gilmore. And it leads us into the um, 
the shopping spree section of the episode, which, you know, I'm, I'm running out of air in my lungs, my friend, if you would like to take over. Sure. Yeah. So, um, yeah, everyone, the, the next set of, um, several minutes are basically each character buying the things that they want. And I, random detail i'm assuming they were looking at like a shopping list they were given in terms of what was in stock yeah because they so. were reading they were reading things off that they had seen um one thing right off the bat before they go like down out of gilmore's office area is fern does see this beautiful tea set in the room and says that she's a collector of things like this and even says hey i was going to just steal it but i thought i'd ask if i could have it um and gilmore says okay you can have it if you promise to have tea with me sometime and she says yes i will so he gives that to her and then says okay nothing else you can have so get out get out and go <laughs> go buy stuff so a lot happens from this point forward so i'll kind of talk about each character um dorian gathers a bunch of different things um and he goes to the checkout counter which i'm pretty sure i couldn't tell if sherry was helping him check out and then inana was was helping uh Orum, who we'll talk about in a second yeah. So I think it's Sherry or it's this other really easily annoyed um, clerk in the yeah. store. But um, uh, Dorian um, basically drops off uh, these, I think it's five potions of healing, a bag of caltrops, some ball bearings, smoke grenades, uh, a pan flute, and an immovable rod on the counter and says, hey, how much is all this going to be? Which the players have when they looted the blight star they actually got um i think it was 500 platinum which yeah. ended up being 5,000 gold right. and they split that up in even ways and so i mentioned this because all of them are going to be putting stuff on the counter so to speak and hoping that it's basically less than a thousand gold so it gets it gets tallied up and it's 2200 gold and he says well and for friends <laughs> and he's told well the friends discount which is basically 20 percent, was already applied well, he's like, yeah, but for friends and just keeps pushing this till finally he starts yelling, like literally like annoyingly yelling for Gilmore. Like being like, Karen. Gilmore. <laughs> yeah, super Karen. And Sherry's like really frustrated by this. Like, come on, really? So um, but because it seems that Gilmore has a thing for bards, he's trying to press uh, that to his favor. So Gilmore finally calls down and is like, you know, what is it? And um, basically tells Dorian, you know, hey, if you're broke, then don't buy, uh, which it's actually six <laughs> potions of healing. Um, then with this sad face persuasion roll uh, of a 19, Gomer says to Sherry, okay, go ahead and knock off one of the potions of healings off the price. Uh, but even with this, he still doesn't have enough gold. And so um, Orm and Opal both grab one of the potions and the rest are getting put away. And Darren kind of goes about his business um, really for the rest of the shopping spree, seeing everyone else get a better discount than he got. And he's it's like, so are you fitted. kidding me? Like, come on. Yeah. Uh, which we find out that Sherry basically admits, well, you called my boss, so yeah. I'm not willing to do you any favors. Um, we see Opal. She does get, I think it's Inanna comes up and says, hey, we actually did have this in pink and gets this pink cloak that she wanted for 10 gold, which you know, not very subtle, but hey, you know, that's her style. Um, gets the potion of healing uh, and buys it for um, 175. It was typically 250. Also, wants a whip, uh, which is a thousand gold. And Dariac says, Hey, I'll even put, I'll pitch in and help you buy it. Uh, and Opal says, Yeah, we'll even use it together. And he's like, I'll never use a whip ever. <laughs> so, but I will help. Um, and she also says, Hey, what's the most powerful thing I can get for 200 gold? <laughs> and it's like, 
Well, in the shop where like all the valuable stuff is like several hundred, um, you could have an amber gem. Um, And the prices here get a little confusing. Even Abria is kind of like, okay, how much is that? Uh, And Abria actually eventually says, okay, guys, I think I've hit my limit on like doing mental math. So as long as it's under a thousand, like we're good. I'm going to trust you for the rest. And she actually does say, hey, does anyone want to like save their gold? Like, does anyone (laughs) want to like hang on to your gold? And they're all like, Nah, like let's just spend it all. Um, so anyway, Orum then heads to he realizes that magical really isn't like his style. And so he goes over to the weaponry and armor and he asks about this shield, and it's a sentinel shield that Gilmore's made himself. Uh, and Anana mentions that it's the only one left in the store and it's gonna go very quickly. So he likes it, but he says, Hey, I really like my current shield. And he asks, Hey, could you hold on to it for me so that when I come back here, I could get it back? Cause it's, it's like from, I don't know if it was like a family heirloom or just from his, his town, but Anana has this idea and says, Hey, let's actually go ask Gilmore to enchant it. And we can take the enchantment of the Sentinel shield and apply it to, uh, your shield. And so they go up, Gilmore's like, what do you need? And they ask for this to happen. And Gilmore says, sure. Um, uh, and he says something like, I think Orem says, well, wait, before you do it, I don't want to like be in debt to you. Like how much is it going to cost? And he says, oh, I have, I think, I think he says I have 1200 gold. And he goes, sure, that's enough. <laughs> Norm's like, okay, here is all of it. And Gilmore's like, okay, you're very naive. Um, and there's this yeah. kind of running theme of him pointing out, you guys are so new at this. You're obviously very young adventurers. Uh, so, hey, keep a little bit of your gold. I'll do it for 800. Um, and so Orem also grabs uh, one of the potions to add on to this that uh, Dorian couldn't afford. Um, Fern keeps asking about this ring called Stonky's Ring. Yeah. Uh, and has never heard of it, says they didn't make it. It appears to have some sort of telekinetic abilities, but it's really not clear the full power of what this ring is. They assume that someone must have left it there. And uh, Anana decides, yes, we'll sell it to you for 600 gold. Um, she also buys the ring of uh, truth telling and uh, or, actually I couldn't remember if she bought it or just asked about it but that one was 500 gold do you yeah, remember it was I was really confused about a few things I think even uh, Robbie as Dorian was kind of confused on what he was actually buying because mm-hmm. I feel like they kind of like missed some signals a few times so yeah I, I don't know I think we'll maybe have to find out <laughs> going forward yeah, okay. what actually was purchased yeah, um, Doran gives his pan flute to Fern and asks for his flute back, which he still had from their performance, and mentions that it's a family heirloom. And uh, Fern actually plays the pan flute. Um, and uh, like I mentioned, they're all sort of um, really emptying out their gold to get these supplies that they need. And there's even this funny moment where, like, the clerk or Sherry, whoever, basically says, I think I'm pretty much done with you guys. Uh, and, and basically a new guy comes up and says okay hey guys we have like let's wrap this up and be done with this because i'm personally done with you guys being in the store <laughs> and like i mentioned abria is even like hey guys like we just reached the end of my personal patience <laughs> for a shopping episode yeah. so let's be done uh so they grab all their stuff and i'll hand it back to you to finish this up yeah yeah so they they get all their things and then they basically exit the store and gilmore indeed has a cart waiting for them to um for to them to to get out and uh i know the party was a bit confused they're like okay we need to go to byroden and the the guy driving the cart was like uh yeah i could take you to the edge of the city but that's about you know that's about all my job entails and so like okay but he's like uh but you can where i'm taking you to the gate like you can find a ride there 
So they're like, okay, cool. And the driver kind of picks up on the fact that they are um, <laughs> trying to lay low. So he's like, am I going to die? And they're like, oh, no, you know, you're, you're going to be fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and <Yeah>. so anyways, <laughs> they set off and the party, um, to give you an idea of the cart, it's like a closed cart and the party is like inside the 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 wagon or caravan, whatever the word would be. Right. And, uh, you know, the driver's outside. <clears throat> anyway, so riding through the city uh, pretty uneventfully for about 30 minutes when the cart uh, suddenly comes to a stop. Uh, they hear some arguing outside and then it goes quiet. Uh, about a couple minutes later, they just feel, you know, somebody get back into the cart and they start moving again. Um, thinking this is a bit weird, Orum eventually sticks his head out of the of the wagon to see if he can see what's going on. And he notices the driver is now wearing some red leathers and he recognizes it to be Posca. Um, and then as he's doing this, basically an arrow comes flying at him and he just in the nick of time whips out of the way as a bolt, like sticks into the side of the wagon um, right where he was. And he realizes that there are some nameless ones also flanking the cart. So he ducks back inside uh, let's everybody know what's going on, and the party basically debates. Okay, like what do we do? They they consider just stabbing her in the butt because there's apparently like a window from where they are, so they can see the driver. And as they're talking about that, Posca's like, you know, I can hear you, right? Like, this isn't a soundproof wagon. Mm -hmm. I can hear everything you're saying. And so they're like, oh crap, what do we do? And so they basically just start a conversation with her and Posca's like, you know, where are my things? You know, you stole from me. Residuum, circlet, I want it back. And they basically let her know that, hey, you know, sorry, we don't have any more. We, uh, we sold it to Gilmore just a minute ago. So, you know, sorry, you know, it's off our hands. And this makes her very angry and she lets them know, well, you know what, Gilmore may be this legendary figure, but everyone sleeps and I will get my items back, you know, essentially threatening him. And the party's like, well, ooh, we don't want to get Gilmore in trouble. So like, what do we do? And ultimately Fern kind of just makes the rogue move and says, I cast charm person. And she tries to charm Posca and it is successful. Uh, I don't remember the exact roles, but I think it was like, she it was a 14 to save from it. And Posca rolled a 13. So it was like super close, something like that. Um, and so anyway, uh, Posca is charmed. Fern now has control of her and she's like, hey, we're on an important mission. You and your nameless ones need to step aside and let us go or else you're going to die. And uh, it, it's like kind of like a dramatic pause for a second. And then Posca gets off the cart. Um, Fern hops out with her and is like, hey, thank you. And notices when she does that, that they are like surrounded. There's like 20 or 30 people um, that were there, you know, like potentially, presumably waiting to ambush them. Uh, and it was people of all different ages, genders, races, uh, and, and, and stations in life. Like there were even some guards there. There were some little kids. So it's like the influence of the nameless ones goes mm -hmm. far and wide. Um, so they, they get off the cart and, uh, Orem's like, hey, you know, try to get some of this heat off Gilmore while you've got control of her. And so um, Fern's like, hey, you know what? You know, trying to press that. And Posk is like, you know, well, if he has my items, I'm going to get them back. And so the kind of the loophole to that is like Fern is like, yeah, if he has them, then cool. Because they know that Gilmore doesn't actually have them. So <clears throat> Fern jumps back on the cart and they make their way out. Um, unhaltered, un. Abate, what's the word? 
undisturbed. We'll just go with that. <laughs> they, they make their way out no longer, uh, you know, in the Nameless Ones, no longer a problem. And uh, as they're going away, Dariax uh, basically takes the crown, which I guess he touches it again, <laughs> touches the crown, leans out the window and is like, hey, Posca, gotcha. And uh, basically letting her know that, hey, Gilmore doesn't have it. We have it. And we just pulled one over on you. And uh, Posca, I think, screams in that moment. But presumably she was still charmed. But maybe it was just like a flavor moment. But apparently she's furious. And they had out of, the, they had out of town. And um, Orem, still wanting to you know warn Gilmore, decides to write a quick note explaining everything that just happened. He throws it in that magical box that Gilmore gave them closes it so the note is teleported to Gilmore now the box is you know a dud won't do anything anymore and uh quickly thereafter Orem receives a magical message from Gilmore saying like hey thank you and um that's basically where the episode ends and there's uh, no post credit scene this time that was it that was that's oh, a lot to cover man yeah and in such a long episode great job by the way um you too and if you're still with us, uh, thanks for tuning into that part. Yeah. Uh, that was a lot to cover. It was. Let's get into some flavor discussion on some of the highlights, some of the fun stuff. So much happened in this episode. Um, and it's tough, like for the recap, because like you're talking through different parts, and I'm like, oh, I love that part. And I maybe mm -hmm. wonder about this. A um, couple of things, like maybe working in reverse order, like sure. Pasca screaming. I think Charm Person only works on. Mm -hmm. um, the person who charmed them. So like Fern, for example, was the one who charmed Posca. Mm. And so Posca doesn't necessarily have like allegiance or even any kind of positive um, uh, thinking towards Dariax. Right. Um, that so that's sense. how that makes sense to me. But yeah, him, him, one, him grabbing the crown again. I was like, <laughs> that didn't take long. Two, yeah. I, I had so many questions of two things. One, uh, Gilmore was very clear. This is a one-way item, and right. you can only use it one time. And it seemed like Abria was giving them kind of like an out if the crown got into a really bad situation to be able to get rid of it since they decided not to sell it to him. And the fact that they've already now used up that opportunity, I'm kind of like, okay, what happens now? And the other thing with that is what if charm person hadn't worked? <laughs> right? Yeah. So I know I wonder that too, especially once we got the visual that they, they were surrounded. Like if they had fought, they were going to lose. I'm pretty sure. So I would have, I'd love to see like a, what if where that would have gone. And perhaps we've mentioned this before. Like if there is some sort of EXU campaign mm -hmm. wrap up, hopefully that's something that gets asked because I was wondering the same thing. But uh, as far as uh, Orem using the box and also on the same token, Dariax leaning out the window and like showing the crown to me, both of that was like, oh, God, we cannot get Gilmore killed. And it was both of them being like, ah, like, how do we get the heat off of this? Because um, I can only imagine what would happen if like if that actually had led to like Gilmore dying, people would be rioting in the streets as far as the fandom goes. <laughs> I just I especially loved it from Matt. There's just like that final kind of touche moment of being like, okay, you know, leave my leave Gilmore alone, please. We have the crown. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, they're one 
out as it were is now gone um which which is interesting but i kind of like it because i um i wanted them to keep it because you know i kind of you know devil's advocate i guess but i i hope somebody puts it on eventually just because like i want to see what happens really Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know. I don't know if it was like a DM meta moment slip, but Abria even has Gilmore say uh, something along the lines of like when one of you decides to attune to it, um, which I think that's how magical items work, right? Or especially the um, vestiges is it you put it on and then there's sort of like this progression system of it becoming like awakened or I was reading about it on the D&D on the Critical Role wiki and it was even saying like the final form was like exalted yes don't know if you know more information about that but yeah uh so that's that's specifically in reference to vestiges of divergence is they have and not all of them but a lot of them have like different phases um where you know based on like an rp moment or like a pivotal like moment in the campaign it might kind of like evolve you know and get stronger and uh, yeah there's like um like a vestige awaken awakened vestige and then like exalted which is like the final form um yeah i guess it makes me wonder if what the crown what stages the crown has if any it'd be super interesting to see yeah did it surprise you at all that and i don't know gilmore that level you do but i was it's obvious to him that these adventurers are extremely naive certainly he knows like the risk of this of the crown or the circle, excuse me, falling into the wrong hands. I was really surprised. Like for me, I mentioned this last episode of like, I'm trying to find like the running plot thread of like, where does this go? Cause it feels like there's a lot of things that are out there. So for me, I saw this as an opportunity. Okay. They are going to give it away. And that's sort of like closing that, um, that sort of side story though. When Fern was like, I, I kind of want to keep it. I was like, yes, like that's, yeah, that's what I'm talking about because it keeps it exciting, keeps the stakes high. But I was surprised that Gilmore was like, yeah, okay. I'm not one to, I'm not going to take it from you. And I sort of like in this, almost like I believe in fate esque um, commentary. He says, you know, they have a way of going where they're supposed to. Mm-hmm. Um, though then of course, maybe it was supposed to go to Gilmore. I, I don't know. I mean, but it's, it just surprised me that, there was so much faith being put into this these fledgling adventurers. I mean, they're level two. Yeah. They are so small and minuscule in the world of Exandria. Um, what were your thoughts on that? And presumably still level two, right? Because we've now yeah. finished the third episode and maybe they leveled up, but there's no mention of that. So yeah, agreed with you there that it was kind of strange. I think it... I mean, it was definitely he was referring, I believe, to Vox Machina in that moment because he's uh you know again i won't give any spoilers but through exu we know that vested uh keyleth had a vestige so i think he was referring to like how he knows people at, that have vestiges and kind of knows you know maybe how they came upon them or you know just kind of knows that like you know who is he to like force them to give it to him you know he's like you know i understand the way this, this stuff works and i recognize adventurers like he's keenly aware of of adventurers and what they do so i think it was and maybe it was a bit of a like a naive thing on his part or like a like a soft spot he had because of his past that he's like okay you know what i will let them keep it even if it maybe was a not a wise thing to do especially if they are 
level two, which I don't really know how that translates to like an in-world thing. Like if, you know, if he, if he, well, he, he is Gilmore. He's very wise, so he probably could recognize, but you know, like maybe to him, they're not, he doesn't see them as level two. You know what I'm saying? Maybe just, yeah. I don't know, but it, it was super interesting. You'd think that like, such a powerful powerful artifact he wouldn't just so lackadaisically be like yeah you guys keep it you know yeah he, uh, he didn't really fight to to get it at all which i like that about him because you know he's not gonna not like a you know karen himself demanding it but uh yeah i mean ultimately though i like i said devil's advocate i'm glad they have it and i hope that some more shenanigans happen mm-hmm. uh, but like you said kind of trying to find like the main plot thread of what the story is going to be about it's i get to me i guess the circlet is kind of just like an added cherry on top of whatever else is happening um right. and we maybe get to open that pandora's box maybe not but uh i i thought too like you were saying that that was kind of going to close the chapter on it when they gave it to him but glad they didn't do you think do you think he lowballed them with the five thousand um, gold store credit Kinda. Yeah. It, I don't know enough about these things, but they seem like legendary esque artifacts. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I you know he's a, he's a savvy businessman. You know, he's not going to be he's going to try to get himself a deal. You know, so I think I think that was a low ball because I mean, just like a normal magical sword is like a thousand gold. Yeah. So it seems like he was okay with not having it anyway, even if. I mean, to because I'm thinking if you really wanted it, I mean, you know, twenty five thousand gold, or I, I don't know. I mean, it seems yeah. like it's such a, an awesome item. The thing that I was wondering is he mentioned how it was supposed to make its way to a friend of his, a mm-hmm. powerful mage friend. Yeah, which makes me wonder um, how involved he's been in the circlet being brought here in the first place. Right, and also is the mage friend? Is it implied that that's someone from Vox Machina? Um, no, because uh, okay. I, I don't think I don't think this is a spoiler, but there aren't any mages in Box Machina per se. Okay. I have an idea of who it is that he's talking about, but it's really just a random guess in the dark. So uh, I don't know if I should say it or not. I don't really feel like it's a spoiler, but it starts with an A. So yeah, okay. For those of you that know, you probably know who I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, he, he I think he even mentioned something like they're like, oh, you know, you you've heard of our escapades at the blight star and he's like no that didn't make the news i just am in the know of things that happen here which i think plays into the fact that he's a secret member of the taldori council so like he definitely is like privy to the goings-on of important stuff aka you know a vestige of divergence being delivered here mm-hmm. now what what is the town Tal- the taldori council okay so <clears throat> taldori is the name of like the continent the land that right. we're that we're in and uh, that was where the majority of campaign one took place. Campaign two takes place in Wildmount, which is it's still in the same planet as it were, but I think it's like at the other half of the world, maybe the other side of the world, essentially. Um, so campaign one, all the cast was in Taldore. Campaign two kind of closed the chapter on that brand new thing. Uh, so they're in Wildmount, but during campaign two, they at times hear about stuff that's happening in Taldori and you know the cast like you know wants the easter eggs on their old characters and stuff they're like oh what's going on and so they find out about this 
this council called the Taldori Council. And so they're like, oh gosh, like who's on it? They want to know so bad because they're like, you know, is it NPCs we know? Is it even any of our characters maybe that are, mm. that are on the Taldori Council? And so it kind of came this big meme where like they always, like anytime that came up, they're like, oh yeah, so try to be like nonchalant about it. So yeah, who, who's on the council? And Matt like just would <laughs> never tell them. And he's like, every time you ask me, one of them dies. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> and so he basically never told them who was on it. Okay. You, you kind of find out a couple things about it through the campaign. Um, and then in the campaign to wrap up, he shed some more light on it. Uh, but so, okay. yeah, it was just crazy to hear that, you know, it's something so Matt had been so like guarded about. Abria just reveals, you know, yeah, he's a secret member. So mm -hmm. that just was like a fun moment. Yeah. Some other questions from that back and forth they were having about the circlet. Uh, what do you think Gilmore casted on Dariax to sort of cleanse him of... I mean, is that, is that a, I'm guessing some kind of like purify or dispel or I don't, I don't know the high level spells. I mean, what, what do you think is going on there? Yeah. So I, she specifically noted that she, he cast lesser restoration on Fern to remove her poison. So right. I imagine it, it kind of depends on what was going on with Dariax. My best guess was that, that the item is cursed and he therefore was cursed by it. So my best guess would be that Gilmore cast like remove curse or mm. something along those lines. Which makes me wonder is when the item gets to his exalted state and I feel like we're heading towards someone putting it on. I, I hope, hope. So. <laughs> it makes me wonder if will that person be able to be cured or decursed or whatever, um, or if there'll be like a more permanent effect on their character. Yeah. I I hope we find out. I know that I think even in the first episode before we had any idea of what it was, you mentioned that, you know, there was this circlet of the Spider Queen. So I know that it's like an item that you can go out there and and like read the stats of, right? I haven't done that yet because uh, I kind of like if somebody does put it on, I kind of want it to be a surprise. So I don't know if you know or not, but uh, all that to say is that information might be out there like already, like what yeah, okay. would happen. But uh, I personally just don't know. Something else we forgot to mention in the shopping part is how they do, after their conversation with Gilmore, they do stumble across a deck of many things. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. I could, and, It seemed like that was actually just making a joke, but it seemed like Abria just went with it. And like, oh, yeah, there actually was a deck of many things right there. We should move that. Yeah. And then it says the clerk takes it and swallows it whole and <laughs> removes it from play. And... uh, uh Liam O'Brien has this great line through Orem of like, man, it seems like such a strange thing to have in like the display case <laughs> yeah. at the front of the store. Um, Very dangerous. But uh, yeah. Uh, do you want to talk just for a second about what the deck of many things is? Yeah. Okay. So it's basically like an ultra high level magical item that uh, it's like a card. It's a deck of cards. And how it works is you pull a card and depending on what you pulled and there's like statistics and, you know, a little blurb on each possible card, something happens and it can be like something great. Like you can be granted mm -hmm. wishes <laughs> or it could be something awful. Like your soul, like you would immediately fall unconscious and your soul would be imprisoned in like a faraway hellish plane. Right. Um, and basically the, the gambit runs between those two things. So it's a, it's basically just like a massive chaotic element to add to a D and D game. <laughs> It's great for a final session of an ep of a yeah, season, I guess. But exactly. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, there's also a great part in the shopping spree, or I guess prior to the shopping spree, when they're first meeting, they've come into the store and uh, we did mention this in the recap, but they are basically calling for Gilmore saying, hey, yeah, he's going to definitely want to see this kind of stuff or hear what we're talking about with this rune. Yeah. And Opal winks at the party and says, um, yeah, the fire, Shari, want him to start a new store there. And it was oh, so yeah. reminiscent of when you have a new player who's trying to take the game in a certain way that everyone else is kind of like, uh, that's not, that's not really what, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I just thought it was just like so fun to see a new player because this is, the, I think all of us have been in those moments where someone tries to make something happen yeah. that everyone else is kind of like, yeah. And, and Matt Mercer instantly goes, no, I don't remember them saying that, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and he's kind of like, let me, let me just take it from here. Yeah. But um, so I really enjoyed that part too. No, that was great. I'm glad you said that because I, I forgot about that. That was, yeah, basically exactly what you said. It was just hilarious to like, you know, she's so, you know, thought it was just like the best idea. And it was like a very creative, good idea, but it's just yeah. like, okay, but no, like, nice try, but let's, no. <laughs> that's kind of, that's kind of the fun of it though, is you have people at the table who are all different, very different levels of experience with D and D um you know opal and uh dorian both of which are uh uh they're new to the dnd world mm-hmm. uh, or excuse me amy and uh robbie and uh i just think i said their name i said their character names instead of their player names and then i, I actually reminded me of even dorian calling himself dariax yeah. and was like dang it and that was, <laughs> was just like yes almost like steve holt <laughs> like i've done it um so, which by the way, for Dorian, did you notice how when he introduces himself to Gilmore, he says, my name's B, and you get the very start of a letter and instantly catches himself and Fern does an insight check. Yes. He's like, whoa, wait, what was that? Rolls very poorly, which there were a lot of really awful rolls, um, some natural ones. Yes, so uh, many. So many. There was even a great moment where um, Dariax is like, "I know, I know the inner goings of the city and like the best way around." And Abria says, "Well, you know, do a roll." And he says, uh, zero, because it was like a natural one minus one." Yeah. And she was like, "Yeah, you think you have a pretty, pretty firm grip, <laughs> but you could just know he is like totally way off base." But yeah, so a lot of low rolls, including this moment where um, Fern lo- rolls low, and Abria basically says, "You know, all you really noticed was that slip up, but that's about it." Um, which is a callback to the last episode where Robbie introduces himself as I'm Dorian and that's my stage name, which seems to imply that it actually was a, it is a fake name or a stage name. And his real character is, I guess, someone else. Yeah. I think there's, there's a hundred percent something going on there, right? Because, you know, we were even alerted to that much that like, you know, you caught something, but you don't know what it was. I didn't, uh, I didn't realize that, uh, like I caught that moment where they did the insight check, but I kind of missed what caused it. So I didn't realize it was because like, he almost said something else. That's super interesting. And Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I think that plus like the thing you just mentioned about the stage name, I feel like we, you know, we were kind of debating, was he just saying that like, that's my character that I'm playing, but now I'm leaning toward no, like, he kind of let that was kind of a slip up too and he's letting us know that you know his character is not who he says it is which i think i like it it makes sense and like i think we've mentioned before too uh there's kind of been nods to him being um you know rich or of high status so potentially mm-hmm. you know he had to change his name to not have a target on his back or something like that 
I don't know. I, I love I love Rob, what Robbie's been doing. And like you just said, you know, Robbie and uh, Amy are both new, but I think I've said this every episode so far, but they're both doing such a great job. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're both taking like big, big swings seemingly with their characters. And I love it. Um, yeah, they're they're very eager to be involved in all of the conversation, all of the decision making and the temptation, I think, because because it's I would assume it's a pretty intense spot to be in having campaign one and campaign two having gone on as long as they have to now be a new character who's not present for a single episode, but is there in a series. Right. And you're you're naturally you're, you're probably getting compared to other people's favorites. Yeah. And to not be reserved, and and I, I think I've mentioned this before. Um, Amy's character Opal, to um, like you said, to use your words, take big swings as a um, very clearly a new character. I think that's stuff to imp- applaud, and really what we should all celebrate as this is what makes D and D special is it's an inclusive table that mm-hmm. anyone can jump into. You know, you think about like those moments, like where um, your nieces and nephews are like, what's D and D? And you're like, Oh, it's this story. And I'm going to, I'm going to take you through this. And that's the excitement of it as a yeah. new person jumping into it and discovering how tangible uh, and fun it is. So to see the two of them, like getting in and like, and they're, they're not like shirking away from any kind of conversation or just yes. like laying low, so to speak. That's really great. And it's frankly, I think it's very brave of them um, only because I think people can be overly critical of it not being exactly what they envision. Um, So credit to them. It's great. Yeah. uh, Cosign everything you just said. And like, even just the the freaking like the shoot, like the shoes they have to fill, which isn't really the right phrase. Cause it's not like they're replacing anyone. This is a new thing, right. but just like very like intimidating. And yet they're both killing it. They're both very natural at it. And uh, well, how about the, the veterans of the show, like being so, um, I think, I mean, very patient, yes. very, um, encouraging. Like when there's almost like, there haven't really been any flubs, but like going back to that example of Opal mentioning like the franchise, I'd call that maybe like a flub or a, a swing and a miss is probably a better way to put mm-hmm. it. Cause it's not a, it wasn't a misplay. She it was didn't just do anything a, wrong. It was just right. Right. So I think a swing and a miss, try to make something happen and it didn't pan out. Right. Um, things like that. Um, she's even mentioned some things that were Ashley Johnson has had her character jump in and be like, Oh yeah, that's really cool. And I can't think of any specific examples, just times where, Opal has said or done something and then Fern's been her counterpart yes. to really assist her in that. I think that's really great from the veteran players to see the excitement of a new player trying something and rather than being like, you know, stuck up like, oh, that's not going to work. Yeah. Being like, oh, yeah, that's a really cool. Let's let's run with that. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you said that because I, I really have noticed that, too. And I didn't I wasn't able to put words to it, but that's exactly right. They've the veterans, you know, Ashley, Liam and Matt have all been very um yes and if i can use an improv term where it's just like you know you, you're you're never supposed to like put a brick wall down you're always supposed to be like okay yes and and then you build off of it and they've been really good at that um mm-hmm. and uh okay i don't want to jump here if you still got stuff here but this is kind of leading into something for me uh so speaking of the new people but uh we kind of talked about robbie a little bit uh amy speaking of taking like big swings just like the the cojones to like make this character that she's made having never played D D before like w- her twin sister is her warlock patron and is like 
inside of her maybe or has some sort of like telepathic connection i kind of want to dive into that a little bit because we got a few little like tidbits on this um that that were new um i know we've talked about this a little bit in past episodes but something i thought was interesting was um that little anecdote she gave about her dad saying that like oh this ancient 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 <laughs> magical thing that they are now on their way to 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 find out stuff her dad has been there like I, I feel like that's just not a coincidence like and there might be some thread maybe not the main thread but some thread connecting maybe what her father was doing to with what's either a happening now or b what the hell happened between her and her sister you know maybe why she has warlock abilities hmm. like maybe her dad made some deal with a devil and i don't know i just wondering yeah, what's it's, happening uh, it's interesting you say that because i interpreted it totally different i interpret it as a new player trying to be part of the conversation and sometimes you know new players will insert like a data point of like oh yeah like um a great example is early in the, and not even just a new player all players do this because like early in the episode they're talking about something i can't remember what and derex is like oh it's old drinking buddy like you're sort of adding to the story. Yeah. I interpreted it as um, Opal, or excuse me, Amy, just trying to contribute and being like, since it's near her hometown, being like, yeah, my dad's been to that area. And that's why they're kind of like, well, oh, like what, <laughs> well, what happened? And she says, you know, she mentions the, uh, I can't remember the history channel or what channel it is, the show Naked and Afraid. Right. So, you know, he came back naked and afraid. <laughs> um, so I don't know if that was intentional. I don't know if she was just trying to be part of the conversation. It will be interesting to see if it pans out to be a bigger conversation. It does seem like Abria has talked to her one-on-one -on, -one on there is this, a, a bigger running thread with your character. Um, and to me, that's reinforced by the fact that the post episode scene, uh, after episode two was entirely right. focused on her sister. Yeah. Um, it's interesting though, she mentions when she introduces herself, she says, uh, I'm Opal, no last name. That's interesting to me. If we're running down the same line of thinking of Robbie's character. Yeah. And then also when she introduces herself to Gilmore, she says something like, I'm Opal and I have a twin sister and she stole my power. Um, actually, she's made an introduction. She mentions it at some point and Gilmore mm -hmm. says, okay, let's table that. But it's, yeah. it makes me wonder, okay, is her power still in hibernation, so to speak? Um, it seems like it. And it's also interesting that no one else in the party is like, actually, they are kind of like this. They're like, wait, what? Like, what's going on there? Um, so, Yeah. Yeah, I, I know that so t two episodes ago, they all mentioned when sh when Opal was just talking to Ted outside of the ash hole, they were like, oh, table that. We're going to talk about that. And they didn't do it this episode, but there really wasn't. I mean, I guess they, there could have been a moment if they wanted there to be, but I'm hoping that they do revisit that still, because that's a massive question mark for me. And I hope I want to see that, you know, dived into um, I, as a good point on you saying that maybe that was just uh amy trying to you know be a part of the conversation with saying her dad went there so that, that's that's honestly probably the more plausible answer but i'm i'm hoping that like that was a uh an uh an easter egg or a, a popcorn trail mm -hmm. for something that maybe is to come because uh and i'm probably reaching here but also when uh opal and uh, Ted were fighting in that dream when they were camping that night. You know, I think one of the things she says is like, I'm going to tell dad, which, you know, is something that like, you know, two sisters would probably say, but also I thought I was wondering like, Hmm, 
you know what, what's going That's on here interesting i'm wondering if the dad is involved with whatever's happening between them two like if he caused it or you know yeah which did abria say that or did opal say that which oh i'm oh actually i don't remember i don't remember if it was if it was ted or opal that said it now because for me if it's opal who says it it's it's i interpret it more as like a that's what sisters say if abria said it via ted that to me now makes me think more about this running thread of something like you're saying that's going on there and that's kind of the fun of it well i was going to say and you've been a really great dm for a while um, whether it's intentional or not, I do think those little popcorn moments, I think that DMs often will see that as like, ooh, that could play in later on. Yeah. So whether it's intentional or not, I think you may be right. It could lead to a bigger moment later in the series. Yeah, that's another good point. So even if it was Opal or Amy just kind of throwing that out there to try to be fun, Abria could latch on to that and make it part of something, which that's what, that's what, I mean, DMs do that. You just, you, if your players have good ideas, you take them and you're like, yeah, that was always what was happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, there's someone else I was going to ask about their conversation, but I can't think of it. Um, there's a lot definitely to be answered about her and her character and why she, her character, got its own post credits scene, mm-hmm. so to speak. Um, and again, going back to what I said earlier, it's going to be really interesting. I mean, there's, there, I'm presumably in terms of like pacing, there's going to be some combat next episode. I definitely am curious if she will have the ability to, you know, Eldritch Blast and whatever other Warlock-esque yeah. um, abilities, she'll be able to do it. Because based on that post credit scene, you know, I don't remember the exact wordage used, but it was basically like, I'm going to cave like I always do because I'm going to protect my sister. And to me, I, I am taking that as I'll give her her powers back because I'm not going to let anything bad happen to her, right? So I know that, like, yeah, Opal hasn't cast anything since then, so we don't know if they're back. But my, for my money, I bet she does. I bet that next time she tries mm-hmm. to cast something, it'll work. Well, and it's not very fun, honestly, as like a player to like purposely cripple yourself <laughs> to like, right? You know, maybe like in a moment, but like long term, it's like, okay, this isn't really, yeah, super great. Um, going back to my comment on like the naivety of the party and sort of Gilmore's surprising trust in them, mm-hmm. it. I think he mentions that the place they're going is off the map um, uh, or on the edge of the map or something to that effect. The phrasing I kept getting in my head was like danger, danger, danger. Mm -hmm. And I was a bit surprised that he was like, yeah, go to this place that presumably is going to have a bit of information that's going to help us source this really important rune. Um, So yeah, I'm again, I'm a bit surprised at the... Yeah, let's send the level two party into um, the heart of the Tarasker. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's just, you know, which I mean, you know, a little bit from like storytelling, it's not going to be like you're level two. So you're going to be running like small deals and, right. you know, go kill, you know, go kill this goblin, you know, down the road. Um, which this is something we talked about, but maybe and again, I'm probably reaching here, but Maybe this is also playing into the fact that maybe they're not actually level two, you know. Right. So maybe right. they maybe they are way more capable. Maybe Gilmore can recognize that, and it's just that they have this amnesia or whatever mm. it may be that yeah. is mental blocking. We're stronger. Them. We're stronger than we think we are. <laughs> exactly. Loki. 
Um, yeah. And if you, for those listening, if you didn't catch our last episode, one of the things we talked about was this amnesia and how, and also like the pacing, there's only eight episodes. We're almost to the halfway point. There's still level two. How are they expected to go from here in terms of like the pacing of their characters? And one of the things that Will and I mentioned was that maybe they aren't actually level two. It's kind of like, um, I think the analogy I used was like in a sequel to a major game, like legend of Zelda two or something um or like metroid 2 or you know whatever the hero sort of loses their powers um as an explanation for how are we sort of restarting the hero's journey uh which speaking of the amnesia they mention as they're telling the story they say hey some of our memory is a bit fuzzy yeah but there were two things that was interesting to me they say yeah there was the party he said all the events that happened at the party the crater yada 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 i was expecting and actually went back and rewound this because i was seeing if I was interpreting it right. I was expecting Gilmore to say like, oh, the crater, what? And then say like, oh yeah, we don't remember what happened. That didn't happen, which to me implies that there was a session zero, which we talked about. There have maybe having been the session zero at the crater that the party's privy to, but we as the viewer are sort of piecing it together. Because actually what the, the fuzzy part is, uh, Gilmore says, oh, yes, the party. It's a shame, you know, that went up in flames or something right. like that. Some fire or something. Yeah, and that's when they were like, okay, oh, our memory's fuzzy. What do you mean? And they find out that, um, uh, what's his name? Um, I'm thinking Loke, <laughs> Loke something. Lorcathar? No, not Lorcathar. The person who owns the house. Lothar. Oh, Lothar. And I think Derek says, like, maybe we should make sure Lothar's house is okay. Mm. Um so their memory being fuzzy, they were referring to that, not the crater. So like I said, it makes it seem like there's this session zero that they're all privy to. Because it, it feels like if they're unaware of the crater, there'd be a lot more dialogue, especially with Gilmore of like, we don't really know what happened there. Um, I don't know. Yeah. What's your interpretation of all that? I don't know. Because like, especially from that, I don't think it was episode two, I guess, where Dorian's kind of where he sheds some light on it when he's talking to the fire tamers from the fire Ashari. And, you know, he describes the woman that they too saw, like clearly, clearly there's memories there that he's pulling from that are not amnesia. Right. So like right. something happened there that they remember and we just haven't been told yet. So I very curious as to like when this amnesia or when these memories that they don't have start and end, was it after that? Was it before that? Mm-hmm. And this might be obvious, but one thing I've started to maybe kind of piece together is, uh, so there is the flare up, right? Which is what the fire tamers went to go subdue. And that's when seven right. of them died. And now Gilmore has mentioned that this, this big party that they're all at, you know, kind of where, where episode one picks up right after they're all like hung over afterwards, you know, he mentions the big fire that like ended the party or whatever. I'm wondering if all these things are connected or the same thing. And like did even um burn in the crater pulling out mister did that cause the flare up did that cause the fire that ruined the that mm. party night like were all these things happening at the same time interesting yeah i don't know i uh, i mean they have to know they have to know that that's the mystery they're painting right sure like i hopefully we're not just like reaching for stuff that's not there but i feel like that's kind of the central mystery of the whole show thus far yeah and part of me prefers the line to be a bit more firmly drawn in the sense for us the viewers of like knowing 
whether there's events happening that we're not aware of or if we're misinterpreting. Because right. that's the only thing that's a bit fuzzy is exactly what is happening there. But on the same token, I don't know necessarily how you draw that line without explicitly like out of character being like, hey, we know what happened. We're not telling you. So they're probably doing the best they can with it. But there is definitely still some like wiggle room for us as the viewer of like, okay, exactly what is happening here um, that isn't clear. Which, by the way, part of this whole conversation, uh, Dorian does mention... um, Actually, no, it's earlier after Dariax gets the offer to perform. He mutters under his breath or says to the party, you know, I've been in this town for two months and I haven't gotten an invitation. Uh, Which for me, thinking about origin story, I'm always wondering, you know, where did everyone come from? We know Fern was brought here and has a bit of um, this memory replacement that's happened that she's peeled back. And we also know now that Dorian's been in Iman for at least two months which is also kind of interesting. Yeah. I, I hope we get these answers. And, uh, oh, oh my gosh, brain fart. I just had something and it just left me. Hopefully it'll come back to me. Uh, dang it. It was oh, about Gilmore, but I don't know. Maybe it'll come while back. you're thinking about that, we have been talking in the past couple episodes about like, where does this go? Like, and I mentioned, I've said this a couple of times, like, it felt like they were trying to tell a story with a beginning, a middle, and an end. Yeah. It's starting to seem to me like this is the beginning of a longer story that either gets weaved in in other Campaign 3 moments or when there's a lull or a gap for some reason in Campaign 3, they bring everyone back. Um, I say this because they're still level 2. There's... Not a lot happened. I mean, a lot happened in this episode. It was a great episode. But not a lot has happened in terms of the greater story. And so I wonder what happens in the next five episodes, which, fair enough, it could be 20 hours of gameplay. So I guess they could resolve it. But my question I want to ask you is, do you think we're heading to a wrap-up it's done. The stories, you know, the reveals of like who Dorian is, what's going on with Opal. Do you think all of these things and the main plot line get resolved by episode eight? Or do you think we're heading towards a sort of cliffhanger with a lot of unanswered questions? I, I think that there will be a conclusion, for lack of a better word. But I, I think there could be ripple effects that affect stuff, you know, in campaign three, or if they want to come revisit with like a one shot or something. But I think the main story will be like resolved. I don't know if we'll necessarily get all the answers about like Dorian's past and you know Opal's sister patron. I think, I think at the very least they will have some light shed on them. Now, if they'll be completely neatly wrapped up, I don't know, but I do think that like for my money thus far, it seems like the campaign is probably going to be about, the ash hole, right? And whatever the heck is happening to Taldore because of that. And, you know, mm-hmm. currently they're on a mission to decipher the rune and, you know, that might lead to whatever the big bad is or whatever, right? So I think, you know, their level two party, depending on seemingly whatever could cause that is a massively powerful thing, right? If it's making enormous mountains mm-hmm. with scary sigils on it. So maybe, maybe they're their role in this is just to figure out what's happening. And, you know, maybe there's a more appropriately leveled bad guy that is 
you know, maybe hoarding the information that they need or, you know, something that kind of brings it down to their scale. And then, you know, yeah. perhaps they're ultimately successful and they find the information and, you know, they bring that to Gilmore, they bring that to whoever. And then like, it's up to the powers that be to maybe really deal with the, the world threat level that may be happening. And, you know, it's not really up to them. Uh, and then maybe that's something that's addressed in campaign three, but just not with our people. I don't know. I feel like, I feel like it will be resolved and not that that means that they can't ever bring these characters back if they wanted to, but I don't think it'll be like, all right, you know, cliffhanger at some point we'll pick this back up. I'm not leaning yeah, that way. I think I agree. Yeah. That's everything you said. I agree with That's kind of the insight I have. It feels like the circlet is red herring is not the right word. Cause it's not, it's not necessarily like a distraction or a um, false storyline or anything like that. It does feel like something that keeps the stakes high that is with the party and it's this sort of added danger. Um, but that ultimately this story with the fire Shari and this rune and the Ono plateau, um, I, which I don't even know if that's going to get totally resolved. That seems to be sort of like this foreboding something is coming. And yeah. I think maybe um, uh, Lorthramar even, is that right? Lorthramar? Uh, or Lorcathar. Sorry, I'm, I think I said a WoW character right there. <laughs> <laughs> Leader of the Blood Elves. <laughs> Lorcathar even mentions, um, maybe it was Lorcathar or someone else. I feel like someone mentioned it felt like something was trying to push through yeah. of like huge power. Mm -hmm. Whether this party will be able to handle that, I don't know. It does seem like there'll be like a scaled down level two-esque character or big bad that they'll eventually fight and that maybe this creature character whatever is being set up for campaign three um along with the vestige i don't know that would be super interesting i would love to see any of these characters show up in campaign three either just via matt playing them as an npc or maybe like amy or robbie showing up like as a guest you know and and playing dorian or, or opal that would just be amazing I think that's, I think we're set up for that in a really great way of, um, I think whenever, and I've seen a few episodes where like a guest character comes on and it's, it's always great. It's fine. But I think it's fun for the viewers of like, oh, that's Dariax. I know him or yeah, Robbie's yeah. on this episode. Like that's just, it's fun to see the stories continue and I hope that they do. Yeah. And just kind of one more note on this whole subject we're talking about is that, uh, you know, wondering if like there will be like a closed book ending that's nicely wrapped up or you know will we find out what the circlet's about you know will we get to figure out everything that's going on with opal one of the cool things about D, D is that unlike you know a video game or a movie or a book or whatever it, it i think well at least good dms try to make it like it's a real living world that is like things are happening outside of the player's scope you know so like yeah, this circle is like an awesome, flavorful item. And like, you know, we might not get all the answers on it because that's not how like life works, you know, that it's uh, and like these different threads that we may see hints of, but never get to fully explore. Um, I think that's just part of like the cool world building that D&D &D enables that, you know, not not necessarily everything mm -hmm. like, you know, in a, in a classic story via movie book or whatever, like Chekhov's gun, if that's introduced in Act One, you know, like it's going to get used in Act Three, you know, not necessarily the case for D D. That's great. Yeah, that's a great uh thing to mention. And 
man, the amount of trust in, because there's also this running joke in the D and D world of players just being total idiots. <laughs> and, um, I can't remember the one shots. There's a one shot where, um, there's like some obelisk. And if you like attack it or strike it in any way or something, it like summons this demon or some, I'm butchering it by the way, but it summons a creature that's like way beyond the level of the party. And it's usually a party killer. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was reading about a, um, basically a, a massive D and D party that was happening with tons of people. And they were all split off into their individual groups and something like 90% like knew what to do and they avoid they walked past the obelisk they didn't do anything to it but the other like small sliver like some random person was like i attack it (laughs) and it like dooms the party basically i just i just appreciate that abria is yeah here's a vestige you know and then they have it they have this item of massive power and despite the stupidity that players can show they're being trusted to handle it and manage it and even at the goading of ashley johnson being like you you should you should put it on yeah, come on, put it on. You know, I mean, like stuff like this, I think is really fun uh, as a non-player just to like kind of wonder where this goes. Hundred percent agreed. We're we're also. I was just say we're also seeing um, another great part of D anD D, which is like the different DM styles. And if I could just bucket into three groups, you have I think the DM who would say the job of the DM is to try to kill the players at every turn and it's just constantly throwing wrenches into the plan. And, you know, when they're on their, when they're on their knees, they bring in like another big bad to fight with them. Sort of testing the resourcefulness of the players. Um, And then you have someone like a Bria who I think is on the other side, who is sort of like the friend of the party and is really trying to help them have this great experience and this great adventure. And I'm saying this because you see moments where Bria says, hey, yeah, you pick what kind of check you want to do. Like you yeah. like sort of giving that control to the player of like, what would you like this to be? And hey, tell me what you're wanting, to, what you're trying to do so right. that I have an idea of it. And then I can help shape it and make it happen, which that can feel really fun as a player to feel like the DM is on your side and is trying to help you. You know, you have this vision of really cool stuff happening mm-hmm. and the DM is like, hey, I want to I help you make the cool stuff happen. Yeah. And then I think Matt Mercer is a more, um, if we're doing like alignments, like neutral esque DM of, you know, some stuffs, you know, off the cuff, some stuff he's kind of keeping to himself. Um, I guess maybe neutral good. Um, definitely wants his players to have a great time, but is also a lot more reserved in, I think, assisting his players in whatever's happening other than just like giving like points of clarity, like, Oh, are you trying this? Are you doing that? So for me as a player myself, it's just fun to see like the different DM styles in play. Yeah, for sure. And I know we've talked a little bit about Abria's DMing in in each of the episodes so far, but I'll just say, especially in this third one, I feel like she's gotten, she's shaken off the nerves a bit and I can tell she's way more comfortable. And again, Mm -hmm. not that she was ever, doing poorly I, i've loved it all uh but I, I could really tell this episode she felt like she was really stepping into it and uh my my best guess is the fact that maybe the nerves are a little bit better after having a few episodes under her belt it's hard to follow comfy matt you know <laughs> <laughs> throwing it to comfy matt and just yes. ooh, that's a tough that's a tough act to follow oh, i'm glad you so. brought that up because what an amazing bit i love that they're doing yeah. that and i wonder how abria is going to punish him next week <laughs> yeah yeah 
Well, what well, else do you want to talk about? I feel like we covered most of it. I um, There's one thing that I, I kind of wanted to mention that I brought up during the recap, but we didn't really get to speak on it. And I know this doesn't really probably mean as much to you, but just uh, for all my other campaign one homies out there, just like finding out that Gilmore's married. Uh, I really want to know who. So he 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 dropped the name Darius, which, um, and it's possible that I just have a bad memory and I've forgotten. But I'm pretty sure that's no one we're familiar with. Like that's a new entity, and hmm. uh, I just have so many questions. I know he said he was currently in Marquette, which is like another area of of Alexandria. Um, but yeah, I just I want to know. I want to know how long he's been married, who this guy is, and uh, I sure. I mean. I should I'm a hundred percent surely Matt is the one that like made that decision and just like let Abria be the one to play yeah. with it as it were. Uh, but yeah, just, I, I, I don't really know where I'm going with this. I just want to know more. Yeah. I, I didn't understand the significance of it other than again, Ashley Johnson's face of just like total bliss at hearing that he was <laughs> married. And I didn't know if we knew who this Darius was or, but yeah, I definitely, I'm sure, a fun Easter egg for people who've seen Campaign 1. Yeah, because Gilmore is basically, and you kind of saw it in this episode, he's like a big flirt. And, yeah. you know, was flirting with everyone in Campaign 1. And I, again, I don't want to get into spoiler territory, but, you know, at the end of Campaign 1, he was definitely not married. So, um, yeah, I just love hmm. it. And I love that we're getting Easter eggs like that. And we've been getting them, like, we've been feasting on them, basically. Like, I feel like every episode almost has had some sort of illusion or Easter egg to, like, past campaigns. And so it makes me wonder what else we might get. I'm not trying to get greedy here, but hoping for some other cool, you know, interesting tidbits to be revealed. Well, I mean, it's similar to another show, Loki. Uh, go watch our deep dives on that. You could just tell it's the people who are crafting this experience really appreciate their audience and want to create something that shows them how much they love the experience themselves. And so even though a lot of the Easter eggs go over my head for Critical Role, to me, it just communicates, hey, this is a finely crafted world and they are intentionally progressing it uh, to show the fans, hey, we we know you're watching and we appreciate it. That is a really good point, not to wax too poetic on this but like abria could have easily gone complete 180 direction you know and not wanted to be like this is my show like i'm gonna do my own thing i'm not gonna touch any of that past stuff uh because i mean thinking about it i just assumed well, why wouldn't she do it but now i'm thinking like she could have easily just like been the complete opposite about it so mm -hmm. it's cool that she's like embraced it in that way and yeah. you know yeah. is is eating us yeah well the benefit of recording this late it's currently tuesday uh wednesday night oh my yep. gosh i gotta go watch loki yep. it's wednesday night we got one of my favorite things is it thursday yet Ooh. or t minus uh 20 and i have to do math in my head 27 hours yeah. from the next episode of Alexandria Unlimited. This last one was great. I think I might even catch this one live. Ooh. So I'm looking forward to it. Yes, sir. Me too. Cool. And uh, yeah, I mean, I guess that, that does it for this one. Yeah, we just hit the 90 minute mark. For our viewers, thanks for staying with us this whole time. 
hey, this isn't just a conversation between myself and my co-host. We want to know what you're picking up on. What are you loving? What are you seeing? What are you appreciating? Are there Easter eggs that we're missing? Or do you have questions or comments on like, hey, where where do we think this is going? Uh, We believe this is a collaborative process. So put your thoughts in the comments below. Let us know. And absolutely, thanks for checking us out at the Pixelist Podcast. We so appreciate it. Don't forget, if you want to up your meme game and see what we're talking about with some of the shows that we're highlighting, you can check us out on Twitter at PXLists. That's at PXLists. It's like Pixelists, but with a couple letters out. And uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in. Yep. And I always hate to do this after you give the great outro, but we got to do the thumbnail. <laughs> Yeah, which which you're holding something. What are we thinking here? All right. Well, I, I have this idea just come to me just now, and I was looking for a hat, but I don't have a hat. So I was thinking maybe we could recreate the uh, Dariax leaning out and like showing the circlet, and you be Posca like very angry about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish I had something I'll, better because this doesn't speak circlet at all. But I don't. Really people who it. like didn't make it, like they watched thirty minutes and they turned us off. They see the thumbnail and they're like, "Okay, that makes no sense. Like, what does that have anything?" But like everyone else who's, who's here, you're here with us, and you're you get it. Yeah. So. All right. So. All right. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I went with like the old timing. Yeah, she. <laughs> you won't get away with this. Beautiful. All right. Well, that is. Our discussion. Thanks for checking us out. We appreciate it. Till next time. Peace.